Toshiko. You leave me today for a faraway place, and though it is raining, the world seems oddly bright. Brother, will you bring me some? Sleet splashes on the cold, hard ground, from dark and dismal clouds tinged with red. Brother, will you bring me some? Taking these two chipped bowls, decorated with blue water shields, I run into the falling sleet, a magic bullet, to bring you back a bowl of rain and snow. Brother, will you bring me some? Sleet falls down, 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 from clouds the color of bismuth. Oh, Toshiko, you are dying, and yet you want me to be happy. So you sent me out for a bowl of fresh snow. Bless you, my brave little sister. You will keep me on the narrow path. Brother, will you bring me some? In the midst of your suffering, feverish and short, of breath, you asked me, for one last bowl of snow, fallen from the sky, the galaxy, the sun, the atmosphere, a lone puddle of sleet in a crevice of granite, I stand precariously above, reaching to the glistening pines, heavy, cold, translucent, trying to preserve the pure white mixture of snow and rain, the very last meal I will prepare for you, my dear little sister. Today you are parting also with the indigo pattern of our childhood bowls. This is really it. Oh, I can see it, the closed hospital room, where you lie behind a dark partition, under netting, your pale face burning gently. My brave little sister, everywhere I turn, the snow is white and beautiful, and yet it has fallen from this terrible sky. The next time I am born a human, I will try to be less selfish with my suffering. I say a prayer over these two bowls of snow. May they become the food of Toshida Heaven and bring to you, Toshiko, and all people good fortune. I ask this from the bottom of my heart. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Agitator Podcast. My name is J. David Osborne. That's Kelby Losak. We have a very special guest today, a good friend of mine. He's been a friend of mine for, I think, 37 years, uh, Mr. Sean Kilpatrick. Sean, how are you today? Oh, mushy mushy. Very good. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> Off rip, he actually learned Japanese to be on the podcast, which is super tight. Uh, it's a difficult language. It's up there. I think the most difficult languages for English speakers to learn are uh, Polish, Korean, Japanese, and Russian. So... Oh, and Chinese, because that shit doesn't even make sense. But uh, anyhow, Sean is the author of many books. Uh, Sucker June, his newest one is Gumshorn. I get that right? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, Millennial Noir, which I have questions about. What makes it a Millennial Noir? And we are going to be talking about 2011's Monsters Club, directed by Toshiata Toyota, who did one of the Crow's Zero films that we reviewed a few months back now a few weeks back i don't know time isn't real what is time but um anyhow sean why don't you um you've been on my podcast twice but for any new listeners to agitator what's a day in the life of sean kilpatrick like hellish and extensive uh harrowing and also uh uh well uh, anti-millennial as possible. <laughs> what makes it anti-millennial? Well, 
like our guys, uh, like our guys Mike, like our guys Toyota, and uh, Sukamoto as well. I uh, try not to give a fuck uh, in the most uh, naturally Gen X way possible, as as they do so eloquently. Uh, I haven't reached that status yet. I'm still technically a millennial. Oh, God, but but my God, but I try. Yeah, I saw in one of your reviews you mention uh, Tokyo Fist, and you say that it's a better version of Fight Club, which I thought was... Uh, I love both those movies, but I liked that description of it. Fight Club on crack, I'd say. I, I love both as That's well. That's what it is, yeah. Yeah, both very good, but Tokyo Fist, I guess I would probably lean towards, although both are very important to me. I um, I vibe with that Gen X thinking that you bring up because uh, my parents, they're Gen X, and uh, yeah, I don't, I don't relate to a lot of my uh, millennial brethren who had different upbringings, I guess, and rebelled more hardcore. I thought my parents were cool as shit, so I actually just kind of feel like the only normal sane person a lot of times they they rebelled into pansyhood so it's not (laughs) it's a weird reversal of rebellion as our guys our guys here are the true kind of rebels they're true delinquents they're true uh uh, fucked up artists whereas uh, you know we don't have that now do you think being fucked up is important to being an artist or can you just be a normal guy and be an artist I wouldn't say it's a a mandate, but uh, it does help. I think, uh, yeah. There's well, exceptions. Being normal is kind of the know. new the new rebellion, which uh, to me is 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 pretty chill because I can feel like I'm yeah. I'm being a rebel and I'm just grilling a steak and not giving <laughs> a fuck about where it came from or <laughs> or uh, or or having a nuclear family to take care of and uh, you know. Yeah, well, that all the all the anti-family stuff's been turned on its head. Where it once once rebellious now uh, has been sold out, yeah, sold up the river. Yeah, it just seems like every idea, whether it's anti-natalism, it, everything gets subsumed into this big corporatocracy. So they find a way to make, you know, in their their eyes that are you know, or their thoughts rather, which are driven just by you know, the profit of today. They're kind of thinking, okay, we can, we can not have kids, but we can sell you all kinds of cool uh, cat and dog toys and dating apps and things like that. So you have Ligotti being all, you know, dark, and it ends up finding its pop culture form in True Detective, right? And you have Matthew McConaughey telling you about how the world is shit, which, you know, it's still tight, but it's just funny how that kind of stuff gets subsumed yeah, yeah, and then they, but then they have to cap it up with that happy-go-lucky ending they tagged on there, after quoting my guy Shirayan. They got my hopes up, and then didn't it wasn't it like a comic book or like an Alan Moore pastiche or something at the end of True Detective, where he talks about like the the, the light winning or something or oh, was the, it? look at the stars, you see all the dark. Oh, okay. Maybe, well, maybe I misjudged it. Maybe I misjudged. I like I like Moore. Yeah, yeah, Moore is good. So Monsters Club, we saw this is movie is pretty much impossible to get. You can't, I couldn't find it uh, on any streaming service. It's hard to buy, so I ended up finding it and sending it to you fellas. So I'm interested. Um, I'll give like a, just a brief overall plot. I know that uh, Sean has said in the past that reviews that summarize plot people reviewers who summarize plot should be executed. <laughs> um, but we're just. 
we're gonna do a little bit of plot summary here and you know maybe we can just do like a Yakuza pinky sacrifice or something but uh, uh, basically it's about a guy who lives in a cabin uh, he's a rich kid his family dies dad dies of uh, cancer or something uh, mom dies after that brother commits suicide other brother gets into a motorcycle accident it's just down to him and his sister and so he decides to go to a cabin in the woods and send bombs to people uh, under these kind of, I thought slightly uh, flimsy, but it might just be a durational issue. Flimsy uh, critiques of like, well, not flimsy critiques of industrial society, but you know, it's like Kaczynski light type shit. Uh, but mostly he wants people to read his poems. So I felt like that resonated with, uh, with me and would probably resonate with y'all as well but from there i mean i'm just interested in y'all's initial impressions of the movie oh well i'd say it's a it's a beautiful tone poem japanese version of kaczynski uh kind of based off the work of uh kenji no no i'm, I'm gonna say it wrong miyazawa yeah miyazawa miyazawa right yeah that uh right that's there's all the references to him in there and um his manifesto is indeed uh, a poetical work that um and it's all uh, coming from his family. His sister is the snitch this time, not the not the brother. And uh, like in with Kaczynski, uh, and uh, even she is more sort of blamelessly, poetically beautiful. It's, it's with the Japanese language, uh, you know, it, it seems to make women sound more feminine and men more masculine. It's such a beautiful lyrical, poetical language. Uh, but so, so anyway, this film um, is Toyota at his. He's really settled into being able to sit in a moment with all these these kind of his dead brother as a demon who is uh, made made perhaps out of coconut frosting or or plastique claymore, uh, <laughs> you know, and 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 he's conversing with him and uh, his other uh, younger brother. No, the the brothers. No, I don't want to. Okay, I'm going to go on too much, but. Uh, his brother's name is means snow, the the older brother, and so. Oh, interesting. That's yeah. I was looking into this, and and, and he so he, he's, uh, not perhaps pure as, but um, you know, he's uh, sort of a paragon. It's very family based, whereas uh, Kaczynski, I don't think, was uh, dwelling on his family too much. He was a loner. You know. I read an interview with Toyota where they were asking about his influence with Kaczynski and everything. And it was a, an American interview when he was showing the film in New York. And he, he just casually mentions the, you know, fascination and the, the availability of like documentaries and there's Japanese books about the Unabomber and all this shit. And then he comes to America where he's like, apparently people uh, hate him here, but um, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, it, it seems like Americans don't really like him, <laughs> and he just kind of goes on. <laughs> he's such a cool Gen X guy. He wouldn't get it. He's like, he's, he's I'm inspired by this guy. He's interesting. What's the problem? You know, <laughs> and this <laughs> is the got... culture that put that the cannibal guy uh, has his own you know show, right? The, this is that their culture. <laughs> Have you guys seen the documentary called uh, Das Net? I don't think so. I think it's on YouTube. No, it's a, it's a German documentary about the Unabomber and the birth of the internet. And this guy, uh, in, in a typical stoical German fashion, is at one point interviewing victims of 
uh, Ted Kaczynski's mail bombing spree. The ones, obviously, the ones that survived. But so he's talking to this dude who has a prosthetic arm, and you know they're going back and forth about the internet and about technology, about this encroaching, overwhelming technocracy, and the interviewer says so um do you think that uh kaczynski maybe had some good ideas and the dude with with the prosthetic arm starts you know trembling shaking his his voice gets a quiver in it and he says that man is a goddamn monster he's a maniac and i'm like well i mean you think that yeah for sure well you seem a little biased sir (laughs) Have you read his masterwork? <laughs> Where he predicts the future? <laughs> this work of genius? He does. He does. Yeah. The the big takeaway I had from uh, industrial society, basically like the way I think about it in snow terms is that it's a snowball effect. And he has a metaphor in that book about I think it's called like the seven kingdoms metaphor, but it's this idea that there's this, you know, this big piece of land that's divided into seven kingdoms and there's uh, an enchanted special forest or what have you that all seven kingdoms agree no one's allowed to cut down trees from there right but eventually one king of the of one of the kingdoms starts cutting the trees down because he figures if he doesn't do it first the other kingdoms will do it and then all six of them jump in once that one starts and that's this whole idea with technology right it's like if we don't create the the boston dynamics robot dog first somebody else is going to do it and then and that's just how this whole accelerationist thing compounds yeah damn brilliant a brilliant man (laughs) flawless flawless it's kind of like you know if we don't storm the capital first then somebody else is gonna (laughs) If I don't, if I don't wear the awesome hat with the horns, uh, you know that guy's in solitary. I think he's been in solitary for that for this entire time. Yeah, yeah. Imagine him and McVeigh talking. I, th- I thought they hung out a bit in solitary. Oh, really? Before McVeigh the was killed. Kaczynski and McVeigh talked. Yeah, I think a few times. Yeah. McVeigh was uh, definitely set up, right? Um, I think that. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah, I think that Kaczynski was more of that lone wolf figure. But he was uh, Kaczynski was uh, MK Ultra, wasn't he? Oh yeah, that that show did that episode really beautifully. The 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 Netflix show that episode some a lot of that show is a bit a bit uh, silly, but but that episode uh, is is a gorgeous Terrence Malick esque take on his uh, brainwashing at at uh, Harvard. You know? Yeah. Was that in Wormwood? Is that what it? Or the was that the MK Ultra documentary that you're talking about, or was it a Kaczynski specific one? I think there were some vague reference in that, but I, uh, I'm talking about that Manhunt uh, with where uh, Paul Beatty plays him. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. Okay, I haven't seen that one. Really good acting, but uh, some a lot of bullshit about the FBI, isn't it? Right on. Do you have any uh, Do you have any affinity for Kaczynski? Any favorite Kaczynski greatest hits? Uh, I, I want to. I'm asking you this because I want to connect it to the film, and I want to know how you were vibing with uh, Ryoichi, our protagonist. Well, I I felt it. I felt it, especially the well. It's it, it's hyper millennial to uh, you know shoot up a thing. Shoot, you know that's our as I say as I say it's our one <laughs> good trait is the mass shooting. But you know the. the uh, 
and so but the idea of murder to get your work seen is um a beautiful idea uh now in practice i don't know and also you know i like his whole jacques Alil thing the unabomber but i i'm not that big of a thing i'm not that big of a fan of the earth uh, mm. itself mm-hmm. or nature per se uh, per se as i say i say per se but but uh, you know, the uh I'm, I'm not that into nature myself, but I do appreciate his uh, assessing the situation that astutely uh, and his uh, devotion. Okay, so but this is this is really interesting because so you just said that you're not a big fan of the Earth, and I find that is completely fascinating to me. So, is what you're basically saying you 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 hate humanity more than than the Earth, but you're not a big fan of either? Would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. That is such a unique perspective, and I'm being dead serious right now. Like, that's the kind of shit that I'm looking for is just that sort of uh, blatant honesty. I feel like too much. A big millennial trait is equivocation. We equivocate yeah. like motherfuckers. And preamble. Yeah. Pre- yeah, exactly. What I'm doing right now, I'm preambling, right? Well, it's. Somewhat necessary in a, on a podcast, perhaps, but but I mean, you know, but you know, preamble. I mean, they're always uh, cautiously uh, putting mm, a porch mm. on any strong statement, right? Right, exactly. And I'm a big fan right now, whether I necessarily agree with it or not, of people just saying, uh, you know, this is what I this is what I think, right? A lot of the COVID arguments that go on right now, um, uh, people take a, like a super moralistic stance. And it's kind of like when mm. you when you try to argue with them, they come back at you and they're like, well, 700,000 people have died. And I just want people to just start being like, yeah, I, I don't care. You know, you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. that, that, that doesn't move the that doesn't move the dial for me. I'm sorry, uh, but not sorry. You see what I mean? Death of one is a tragedy. Yeah. Death of a million. Right. And yeah, exactly. Just a sight. That's right. Uh, That's Mr. Stalin. Yeah. Comrade. Yeah. My hero. Um. <laughs> 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 so Kelby, how did you how did I know that you vibed with this movie, but you were in a dark place. Did this movie put you in a dark place? Were you already there? What was going on? No, so this this week uh I didn't sleep much for one and I've been working with a uh, a lot of chemical fumes on another level uh so i was i was in a suicidal place basically and uh then this movie is just heavy with suicidal uh ruminations and suicidal characters and um i i decided to thug it out like you know with uh where my headspace was and then while watching it i was like oh fuck we're going here i'm just I'm just going to keep watching it and then we'll see what happens. But that was, yeah, that's the vibe that I was sitting with going through this movie was like, this is heavy, like not, not even on the society level. I think I felt like with the protagonist, how you were saying earlier, his, um, sort of, he has has sort of a, uh, a flimsy ideal behind the bombs and everything. I sort of felt that how it was like uh, trying to explain, trying to give a reason for this behavior, but really just, really just wanting to blow shit up or whatever, just 
cause destruction. Um, Cause that's kind of where I was at, you know, trying to, it, trying to go through my own head of like what, uh, all right, why, why am I here again? What am I, you know, why, why am I feeling this again? Uh, what am, am I going to do it this time? What am I in? Uh, what's my reason? Do I have a reason? Let me come up with a reason. Uh, yeah. So I was, I was feeling it on that level pretty big. Mm. This is definitely, uh, one level of nihilism was, would have, uh, Kaczynski nihilism melt people's progress off the earth, my beloved earth. And then, but we have to break through to the, the next level of nihilism where it's, and then melt the earth as well. <laughs> and then, so it's, it becomes a bit, it becomes a bit much to shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Go deeper with that. What is, what, what is that? I like that, but give, give me more of that. Well, the mindset of it, whereas I guess it would apply to us as, as writers to put it into practice, uh, you'd have to be some sort of something lower than a politician, perhaps. Hmm. Or a serial killer, same difference. But uh, the some kind of uh, well, serial killers aren't aren't in fashion anymore. I mean, I guess they can bust them pretty quick now. It's not really a thing, is it? But um, my my beloved retro era is gone. Do you think that serial killers are really gone? Do you think that they haven't just you know found? Because I was thinking about this. I was thinking about how easy it would be to kill somebody if you had no connection to them. I know cameras are everywhere in places like London, I'm assuming New York and LA have cameras everywhere. But for example, if I were to, uh, oh, I don't know, like drive out to the Brahms where the cashier gave me a little bit of shit while handing me my banana split and just waited. And then they got into their, uh, you know, their little Camry, right? started driving down the road i followed them waited for them to get to their house and then i just uh sniped them from inside my car with my well my taurus doesn't have let's say i had a silencer on the gun right and i just you know and then they were done i mean that you you could still do that (laughs) some some washington dc sniper shit yeah (laughs) yeah do you think anybody would catch me if i hypothetically did that well nowadays could 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 pull it off maybe maybe killers got just got better and then went underground but but um what if i sent a do you think they would catch me if i did that (laughs) (laughs) no we have we do we have to couch it with saying we're joking or should we or should we i was uh i was hacked right i was hacked (laughs) I was hat, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. Uh, that meme oh, of that. Yeah. I love the old head. Yeah, let the old head speak on. Yeah, it. letting the old head speak on it was a was a classic for like two days, and I tried to jump in on that, and I got crickets. I was like, damn. I was trying to like, I was trying to be a part of the R Dub party. You know what I mean? Just hanging out with my bros online, and uh, I, I just I got and I thought I had a good one too. I'm not gonna I'm not going to explain. Like what I memed on a podcast, but you know, all I'm saying is that uh, you know I'm just a man without a country. <laughs> well, that's that's the writer's station, yeah. Uh, yeah, I yeah. So. <laughs> I think it definitely, and that's that's why sometimes you just want to kind of uh, 
kill somebody with a cigar bomb with your with your little poem inside. That's right. <laughs> it's kind of a it's kind of a nice fantasy though, right? I mean, blowing people up with bombs in the mail. Uh, when I was watching this movie, I get Kelby's perspective on it as it being this kind of. Uh, as Sean said, you know, tone poem. It's got definite like nihilist uh, darkness to it, but in in a weird way, uh, I I found uh, this movie oddly oddly inspiring mm. in its uh, in its kind of thesis of becoming uh, be- somehow becoming nothing in this society, right? Um, his uh, ghost brothers and him get into a bunch of arguments about what he's doing and. You know, they come at it from a logical angle that you're you're never going to get a bomb to anybody who really matters. You're just going to blow up, you know, kind of low-level people mm. or whatever. Uh, and your actual goal of exit should ultimately be uh, suicide, right? And I think that these are, you know, this is like sweating nitroglycerin dynamite to talk about with, like, uh, people who listen to this and might have some kind of uh, suicidal depression or something like that. But I, I liked taking that that becoming nothing uh, metaphorically because I don't have a... At this point, I don't have any suicidal ideation. So it's like it's kind of like a fun idea to play around with, but I don't know, maybe not so Stop much. Stop equivocating. People. There I go. Stop equivocating. equivocating. Again. <laughs> I equivocated again. <laughs> I did it again. I did no, it again. Like I, I don't, re- I don't relate to a lot of uh, people with the whole like, cause, cause I have sudi, uh, a lot. Man, I'm jumbling my words with that. I have suicidal uh, depression, ideation, and everything uh, that I've struggled with on and off uh, to varying degrees. And it, some random, like the other day, like you know, just very, uh, not really triggered by anything in particular. Um, just sort of thought and uh i have always had issue with the uh approach to trying to remedy it or to try and like um i don't know i'm never gonna call a fucking hotline for one uh and and <laughs> awareness uh, awareness of what that some people might kill themselves like i don't <laughs> if if you're if you're thinking there's a solution to that then you're probably you're probably the one who needs some awareness of the the reality but i'm on the same wave as you with that like for like i didn't uh i actually did get some sort of like artistic inspiration from it and sitting through that might have like been good for me because there's to me i feel like there's no remedy especially because i go down a dark hole every time the shit comes up where i'm like i have a lot of friends who have pulled the trigger and family members like have blood with people who have like you know off themselves and usually at really good times in their life so i'm like i always get to thinking about that where it's like damn i don't i don't know if i don't know if there's any way to be safe from this so uh i think it's just a it's a thing you have to sit through and try and try and embrace the way that the way that sean embraces not really you know vibing with humanity or the earth like uh that's fascinating to me because it's also like you're still here it gives a different 
meaning to life when it's like say i frequently ponder killing myself and i'm still here so it's sort of a a mystery i I think the mystery is keeping me around as long as i can stomach it to try and fit like uh figure it figure out that why like does that make sense yeah yeah you know suicide is my only form of daily optimism the thought of accomplishing something that beautiful but it is a big effort and also i don't know that i would recommend it or thinking that way unless i was angry at someone whereas uh i don't recommend that mindset Uh, but um but if it's there it's there and as we're writers it's obviously going to be there (laughs) but uh uh yeah the the uh What's very existential, there's a cultural difference, I think, with this film, is that it's a, an extremely existential, fam- familial sort of sort of uh, contemplation of suicide, whereas uh, in America we're way more practically uh, and more angry and less family, necessarily family, close with the family. Uh, money is our family in America. So it, uh, not that I'm a commie, but I'm saying the uh, the paycheck is more what you used to get your space here not that it's always mm. bad but what i'm saying though is that um since in this version he is uh, kind of well off and used his inheritance because kaczynski built a little shack for himself this is more american right this is he built a little shack and uh it wasn't very existential it was more proactive right. you know? that's really interesting the idea of Kaczynski is a more DIY. He's like a hustlepreneur, right? <laughs> and, and this guy is more because he's already financially secure. It might. I, it's not coming back to me exactly. So he he's in the space that he is right now, basically because his family is dead, right? Does the yeah. I'm trying to remember if the film really goes into that because he has his interviews with his two brothers one of whom uh laid his motorcycle down and i think that wasn't that guy in porno star i think that i think that that actor was in porno star yeah i think so oh yeah okay that's cool he's the only one who i recognized uh as being potentially from another toyota film well um, the main uh the main character Ryushi, oh, right, right, right. he's a uh, blue spring and he's uh, in blue spring yeah yeah i think another one too nine souls or whatever probably um, which are definitely movies that that we're gonna get to but anyway so he has these interviews but um he he seems to be somebody who believes very much in uh poetry and art and in uh kind of doing something with your i've, I've always been fascinated by the and perhaps this is a more east asian concept of putting your uh, of, of, of suicide as an as an act that is a part of a life rather than an end hmm. right some kind of uh, some kind of statement that uh, is kind of a, a capper but also designed to retroactively uh, affect kind of like the way you know Mishima all Mishima's books uh, are are kind of colored by his final uh, you know seppuku 
just this idea of it being a, a kind of a, I don't know, life not being held in such high esteem. It makes me think of, you know, right now how we have this premium on uh, human life, bare life, right? Um, and uh, the fact that people are so kind of terrified of, you know, catching a bug and, and it killing them because then it will then life will be over or somebody who they care about's life will be over uh versus a, a i don't know just this concept of an awareness of the finitude maybe not really sure where i'm going with this this is out of my depth well maybe maybe like the 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 suicidal artist too is a good um archetype because or one that goes perfectly the only one that really makes sense to assign that sort of suicide to because it is a form of art it's a it's it's the period it's not a um uh yeah it's a part of the life like you said and not not just uh not not just the end to it so it's like this dance with it is sort of like you you're trying to implement it at the right time because once you do that's like the big i mean i guess it 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 is the finish but like it's it doesn't come out of nowhere it doesn't come at the end it exists there the whole time so it's like uh the act might be the thing that draws the curtains but like the whole time you're you're doing this performance with it like trying to uh it's there influencing your your steps and everything and uh that kind of dancing with the end like what are you doing up to the end is kind of uh um and and pondering it and taking this theme or whatever and carrying it with you like through day-to-day existence kind of makes your your life like your artwork or whatever and uh i think that's maybe um maybe where the art itself just just makes sense like the the making of art writing or whatever is like uh an appropriate uh mm-hmm. i don't even know what to call it, really exercise uh pursuit for the for the suicidal mm. you know miyazawa's most famous poem uh is about watching his sister die of tuberculosis and uh, as he's, you know, at her deathbed, he has to keep sticking his head in the closet to scream, cry, in in mourning. And um, in this poem, he compares this to um, watching snow, like slush, this kind of grief, uh, the farewell poem. And uh, it's all over this movie, you know. Yeah, it does. It does feel like there's there's almost there are the punctuating uh, moments of. You know, people shooting themselves in the mouth, uh, yelling suddenly, uh, Ryoichi kicking over his pyramid of batteries. Um, but overall, it's just this, it's this very quiet, uh, restrained mm. movie. So I want to actually talk a little bit more generally, and we can weave back into Monsters Club at will. But I wanted to talk about your writing sean and your approach (laughs) to art uh oh no don't say ew this is good no don't say oh no (laughs) no this is good this is good stuff there are some quotes that i like um 
One of them is uh, let's make some wrong choices about what people will sit through. And also that everything that you get published is in the process of being edited. So I'm curious in a broad general sense how you approach the the things that you write because your style is so uh, unique even amongst more uh, surreal avant-garde writers I mean you know growing up I would read uh, like Siratori and obviously like Blake Butler and, and your stuff and you guys like Siratori always seemed like this just kind of manic uh, you know kind of Tetsuo guy right mm. where it was just these these words <clears throat> and Butler is more nauseating uh, in the way that he writes um, yours has a has a playfulness to it. it it always seems fun even when it's really angry so I'm just curious about the headspace that you're in when you write that your your goals like what, what you're trying to do what you're trying to, to to see what you can get people to sit through well, there's a, uh, I'm sort of employing a type of um, vehemence that is uh, categorized by, I like these categories, these Gen, Gen X and stuff like that. And I know that some of this is just, as Jim Goad says, astrology, but what I'm seeing is uh, the Bell's Letters system uh, and the Scottish Bell's Letters system from the 1700s uh, has a category called vehemence, uh, and it's one below uh, elegance, uh, and it's not it's a sort of elegant, the elegance of hatred. And um, mm. this sort of amplified maximalism, but I like to uh, mix that in with the uh, Lycian consecution to uh, taper it down a bit. Uh, so that makes for, that's the blend of it, uh, the tech blend of that. But uh, yeah, I, what, what I really want to be, though, is, is a, a pinku writer in Japan circa mm -hmm. 1966 that's all i want i just want to <laughs> i just want to be writing the embryo hunts in secret and um sex hunter <laughs> this is all i want yeah. <laughs> yeah right on yeah your your taste in in movies runs the gamut because you're very well read you're very very well watched and your taste really runs the gamut from some fucking obscure shit uh that i've never heard of to, to you know 80s action flicks right like it's you, you kind of you sort of take it all in and you seem to you seem to like a lot of stuff too is that a fair assessment yeah that's why I mean, i'll never be cool you, i'll never be gen x fully because i can't uh i just love it too much i love too many things you know <laughs> except for melissa broder right well, not that melissa kind broder, but... <laughs> 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 dude your fucking your review of the pisces is one of the all-timers um did you get in trouble for that i remember you sent it to me i think i'm and, below uh, trouble i'm off the radar you know oh okay okay because it's it's mean you really didn't like the pisces but she earned that she exhibited behavior towards me but um oh right. but I don't strike randomly in, in that way. I mean, um, there was provocation. I mean, but but that's that's petty stuff. That's petty stuff. Uh, I I like that review because it is one of my meanest, and that's the goal of all my stuff. So. <laughs> is there is there value in being petty? Yeah. No. I yeah. I'd say yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Kelby? I I 
I think the nature of value is uh, so, sort of wrapped up in our uh, our own ability to define it. So I think there's really value in whatever whatever you can attribute value to if uh, you can make something valuable out of pettiness, if you can have a, a good time, take a good jab. Uh, I mean, I think so. It, it's on a grander scheme, like what do you get value of? Like uh, little, little joys, uh, money. If you make money out of being petty, then there you go, if that's what you value. Uh, if it's worth a good chuckle or create or creates good art to me that's where it would be like you know if you're making good art uh then whatever wherever that comes from is valuable i think oh yeah well our guy our guy uh toyota is uh you know he, he was the that uh shogi chess champion in his youth right and uh he became very disillusioned with that and uh his films have, but his films bear the marking of a, uh, his pacing is rhythmic. Now, remember when films used to just sit in their moments and, uh... Right. Yeah. Right? This used to be a thing. There would be character studies and mood pieces and things like this. He's very much of that generation, and, uh, I mean, there's, what, what a more natural artist he is. That, you know, he's of himself more than a lot of filmmakers i think and uh i think it applies to what what you're saying as well he this is why we're i think we're also drawn to to these guys you know they're they're all delinquents they all became disillusioned with their straightforward japanese lives and dropped out of you know mike became the biker guy you know and and, uh Mm -hmm. uh sukamoto with his big problems with his ad salesman father you know yeah yeah that's something that I would I would like to I'd like to see that more in art now. I you know with the whole diversity thing in art, basically Hollywood and the writing community or the publishing industry I should say got the memo and interpreted that as like let's hire the same uh, sort of you know children of wealth who have nothing of interest to say but make it black this time uh, instead instead of you know what about people th- that's why what you're saying is so important because yeah Miike Tsukamoto uh these guys who you know we've gone into detail in the show before about how Miike came up and he's essentially a dude who failed into uh from 1999 to 2004 like the most brilliant run for my money in the history of cinema um and he did that because he knew that he couldn't cut it as a motorcycle racer and then he couldn't cut it as a mechanic or an engineer because it took math and just started holding a boom mic and running and getting coffee for people on film sets and eventually got the chance to make, you know, bikini chicks uh, who are also spies type yeah. movies, you know, <laughs> and, then, and then just built from there. And that's the kind of career trajectory, me being 35 now. I mean, it, it feels like when I would have been the age to, to get in on the ground floor like that, that those doors had all already been been closed and everything just seemed to get a lot safer because I guess the money dried up or or whatever but more importantly I think the creativity just dried up I talk to filmmakers all the time and ask them why they don't make more movies and they give me these long droning rambling speeches about how much it costs for craft service tables and you know how you got to pay this that and the other and then you look at like Tsukamoto who 
just won't work with unions, period. He refuses to work. Like, he he demands that he has volunteers work on his movies for free. Uh, sometimes even those volunteers pay for elements. He's this total, you know, uh, anti-hero in terms of today's discourse. But, like, I don't know. I mean, that's that's, I think, what all I would really ask for is, like, some kind of ability to make weird, cool shit that five people might like which is where i I guess that's where i'm at anyway so can't complain but well they had backing they had these studios they had the v cinema which allowed them to within the constraints of a budget right to um uh to fucking do what they want which you don't see now right even though it's a small budget they still had this backing and, and it goes back that goes back through all the pinku and all their great men who directors who trained our guys, you know, Imamuru training Mike and the the guy who mm-hmm. did um shit, the guy uh who did a film called Nak Sa- Sa- Sawada uh no 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 not him not him. Uh there's a guy that did the movie Knockout that inspired Toyota and he became his mm-hmm. then he let him at 21 write a script for a chess movie and then etc and so and then we got uh you know Sogo Ishii is sort of the father of that generation uh, with Burst City. You can see right. Sokomoto, right? And then with Crazy Family, you can see Mike. You know? And uh, so I had a whole thing about that. I don't want to go on about it, but, but I had a whole thing. No, about it's this. interesting, dude. No, it's interesting because the thing about Imamura and Mike that was so interesting is that his school was free, uh, which is the only reason Mike went because it right, was all government right. subsidized at the time. And Mike didn't do any of his assignments at all. And how he got into the industry was at the end of the semester, uh, they needed uh, an assistant for a commercial shoot, and all of the students were busy working on their final projects, Miike being the only student who fucked off and didn't do anything, uh-huh. and so had a, had a clear slate to work on this commercial, and the rest is history, you know? Amazing. But I love these stories of, of fuck-ups failing up, right? Instead of, like, fail sons failing up. Yeah. Just through sheer tenacity and will and uh, mm-hmm. risk and not giving a fuck, Gen Xness, you know, people wanted to give them shit because they were, you know what they are? They're all cool. And they're cool in a way that you don't see anymore. I admire it. I was never in with the cool uh, kids <laughs> myself. So I, I admire it from a distance. Uh, I think Toby's cool. He's got, he's, got, he's got face tattoos. So yeah, I think, I think yeah, pretty... I, I, I'm pretty cool. I was one of the cool kids. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I admire it. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I fought my way in with the cool kids. I'm a, I'm also pro bullying because that was a my oh, my yeah. rite of passage was uh, fighting back with the bullies and being able to be cool. Uh, yeah, that and a lot of like Toyota's. Um, explanation of his uh things that he that he implements or aesthetics like why why this shaving cream uh sort of chicken feather ghost looking thing and he he (laughs) was like oh the the actor who plays that ghost figure um she's a like a performance artist makeup artist type person and that was the type of shit she was doing and then when he hired when uh-huh. he hired her on he was just like that shit's cool let's do it oh i love oh, that. i didn't know that i love that i love that i love that ability to um 
scavenge these these awesome images for a movie because I didn't know anything about Monsters Club walking into it and when I saw that about 15 minutes in it made me you know be like what the fuck am I watching right and it's so great it's so jarring in a, in a quiet way because there's no great you know orchestral swell when this monster thing comes on it's just kind of there in the snow and uh yeah i was trying to make i was trying to figure out what the fuck it was too you know i was like this is some dollar shave club type shit in the movie like a little but uh no that kind of thing is awesome and i wish that that you hear about this kind of stuff all the time people being fans of musicians and having them do soundtracks for movies that go on to you know basically be made by their soundtrack uh you know monster designers um sort of being found like you know Junji Ito and stuff like that I don't know I just I, I love that I love this idea that you know you get this coherent whole that is the movie but it it's a whole because it allows itself to uh kind of absorb these other visions wholesale and respectfully yeah and it's it, it it's that vision and that vibe is like sort of the primary purpose of art like this collage of uh of aesthetic right like everybody like the best shit to me seems to always be the things that uh, a lot of people discredit for being style over substance and that's always perplexing to me because i'm like what it, it's it's art what substance are you talking about like are you like you want no style and just didactic woke bullshit what do you like what substance the style is the substance that's the thing like that's the shit the, the medium is the, the message the medium yeah. is the message like the aesthetic is the art the cool shit is what should be there <laughs> like it should just be cool absolutely you know this thing against style started in the 90s there was so much fucking style in the 90s that it became contrarian cool to uh complain about it you see what i'm saying and right. and and um this was a thing this was a a critical bugaboo in the in the fucking 90s this is when i started seeing it everywhere indulgent 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 and and, and stylistic without substance and all these bitching and it, it was i always felt like grandmother's uh, writing that, and uh, Ebert is guilt guilty of it too, and he's guilty of a lot. Uh, but um, <laughs> yeah, rest in piss. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> you, you don't. It's hard to see how woke he was. It programmed in, and you don't think it right off. And I remember liking. He, he was good for re, if you want to read reviews about mainstream dramas or something like that. But but he really did a lot of damage and he was also a one of these you know uh, moral panic people in the 80s but um oh to, well, he's a moral panic he was a total bozo about fight club and all these movies that oh, had yeah. violence in them he gave fight club one star i remember that and thinking to myself like what is this guy even talking about he wrote beyond the valley of the dolls yeah, yeah, i was just going to say <laughs> <laughs> who the fuck is this guy yeah, yeah. you just, you get older and you start clutching those pearls tighter yeah, despicable, despicable, and I, I was into him when I was young too. I just I would just kind of write. You would you wouldn't think about it back then because everything wasn't so uber politicized. You would just oh he's like a he, I guess he likes left wing stuff okay, and then you would just read for the you know he was good for drama I don't know, American drama films that were well done. Yeah, but 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 as I say yeah he complete 
complete uh, buffoon and disgusting, mm-hmm. disgusting propagandist. Yeah. Well, yeah, and and he was a very clear writer. Um, some of his reviews I thought were very beautiful, uh, especially some of the shorter ones that were more kind of wistful and thoughtful. Yeah, I had time for that, you know. But yeah, um, yeah the the moral crusades about about film uh, never never really stuck with me because I've always thought the uglier and nastier movie is the better it is. Hell yeah. Uh, for going back to that medium is the message type thing, you know. Um, and this also kind of goes back to the talk about suicide and depression and all that shit. It's like those things, the things that are the meanest and the nastiest are what kind of, you know, feel the best in the animal brain or in the gut, right? And not that art has to be utilitarian in any way, shape, or form. I don't think it has to be at all. But if we're talking about use case scenarios, it's helpful, man. It's good. It feels good. You feel something, you know? You feel something that is just, like, completely anti-everything that's around you, and it makes you feel makes you feel virile, you know? It makes you feel like going out and committing acts of atrocity. It's good <laughs> stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It goes back to trapping that kind of shit in the cage. Like, we've talked about nihilism on this show before and the, like, certain... Because I, I don't identify with, like, nihilist philosophy or anything, but um, I, like, I'm a, I'm a pretty, uh, I don't know what kind of ist I am, but I, I'm pretty optimist, or try to be, but nihilist art is, is, like, my shit, 100%, and with the, like, the darker shit, the suicide shit and everything, and I, you know, have a strong connection to that, like, I don't, I'm not triggered by any of it like if anything i want more of it to uh keep it on the on the table to look at or in the cage or whatever oh yeah because uh we write so we can't be nihilists really fully because it's only aesthetic to us because we continue to write and um and and so when i say i uh love a movie like uh retreat through the wet wasteland I don't um, want uh, flesh market or black snow. I don't want um, to torture women. It's just that the fever dream of stylistic cinema really exemplifies the struggle of, you know, relationship, etc., or whatever we want to foist onto it through its beautiful art of this tortured flesh beginning with early 60s Pinku, uh, you know, it's a, a dream. It's a, a magical thing. Uh, and so there's nothing to indict from a work of art, even though, uh, you know, we live in the indictment era. And so, but, and so only, you know, the moment I give in to all these urges that were put in me before I saw art or knew what art was, but when I, when I give in to those, then you can... Um, then the moralism can begin, okay? But, but not not while I'm using these films to save people's lives by, by not murdering everybody. You see? Right, right. Yeah, I well, exactly. I, <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't want to kill anybody. I just like thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. Ideation. Yeah. yeah, it's fun. It's fun to think about. It's just fun to think about. You know, just the the smell of cordite coming out of your AR as <laughs> you know, just as you're stepping over you know, the bodies of 
you know, the local daycare center. It's just, it feels good to think about that kind of stuff. It's a healthy good time. Yeah. I don't actually want to do it. We're red-blooded American men, and we we like to think of these things. And count your your lucky stars that we think about them. (laughs) Because people used to to not, like, have any time to think about these kind of things because they were too busy, you know, digging up potatoes or whatever the fuck those sad sacks did. And and then they just did the things. Yeah, and know? then they said they, nice shit, and then they they talked nice and didn't watch bad films, scary films, and the, and then they but they just did the things. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that's why art is good. Art is overall a force for good, and the meaner and nastier it is, the better. Do you think that Monsters Club is a is a mean or nasty film? Hmm. No, it's a beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous. Po- uh, poem you know it, it's a it's it's a very uh uh well there's a cultural loss here because the that author now i'm i don't have it in front of me i needed it in front of me to say it properly uh, but kenji the, miyazawa yeah 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 thank you uh yeah him he he was a type of buddhist now and it's lost on me but it's very heavily i think it's all over this film this this type of buddhism that he was um but something about it was like the, the holy object uh which plays into the bomb stuff maybe perhaps uh Ooh. things like that wait go back here the holy object as bomb what is that well, like so that's, that's my well no i'm just i'm just free associating that but i don't think i mean i think maybe that's part of maybe some loose connection there is what i'm saying yeah no i like that i like the idea of a bomb as a holy object guns <laughs> as holy objects you know uh yeah. the the these potentials for for insane violence as being somehow sacred in their own way i I fuck with that oh yeah 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 it's uh nishiran buddhism yes yes thank you it's very much influenced by the the lotus sutra which is kind of the doctrine of that's the one where uh uh the the buddha never died the the buddha and every everything you do is a step towards buddhahood like uh so I, I i can see how that 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 uh sacred object bomb as sacred object would have a play in the, in that kind of thinking if ev- everything you do is a step towards that buddhahood oh yeah now is this are we getting into do you know because i don't know much about this is it, what's the thing where uh, if you see the buddha on the road kill him you know what i'm saying i'm not positive um I know what you're talking about, but um, I don't know if that plays into this. Yeah. Well, you know, with my limited understanding of Buddhism, it's that you know you're moving towards a kind of uh, auto annihilationist trajectory, mm-hmm. essentially, and it basically is a religion of contradiction, paradoxes, and uh, constant destruction and, and rebirth. So I think that the whole idea, and sometimes, you know, you'll see these Buddhist uh, practices, because I've been reading more of these books lately, and they've talked about, you know, people who get, in, get enlightened. But I've always fucked with the Zen tradition of there being no real enlightenment. Other, like, I was enlightened one time in my life. I'm being dead serious. I experienced this epiphany while I was sitting in traffic, and I was staring at the bumper of a green Nissan Altima, and... It was like clarity that I had only ever 
experienced uh, under the influence of psychedelic substances. But this wasn't a flashback or anything like that. It was just pure, a pure bliss state, right? And it lasted for a total of like five or six seconds and it was gone and I'll never ever forget it as long as I live. But that's kind of where the, if you meet the Buddha on the road, kill him type thing is because it's in the negation of enlightenment, some form of enlightenment happens. But then you want to negate the negation and then negate that. And it's this Russian nesting doll of, you know, of fucking, you know, just constant killing and rebirth. So that is my expert opinion on oh, Buddhism. Nice. No, that makes that fits, that fits. You you did that great podcast about all the, the religions and the rituals. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, yeah. So that that I, I learned from that. I, I remember that. That's a great that I think that entirely applies to to our film here. Yeah. And, and 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 especially I think it's not I mean there's there's cruel elements, but I think especially with the ending where it's somewhat ambiguous that he perhaps I thought he was going to blow up the people and when he was yeah, I did too I right. did too I was like I was praying for it yeah but, yeah yeah me too yeah. but uh, <laughs> but uh, but but then it's sort of ambiguously just ends right and so um that I think shows the more uh Buddhist nature of the film I think and the, the kinder element now you had a quote from uh Paul West in a piece that you did for expat Mm. I want to read it back to you and have a because this this is what I would call a minim, a minimalist film, for sure, right? Yeah. I mean the camera is static. There's I'm thinking of the great scene with Yuki, where he does his whole speech to him, um, in one take, and I don't know, it's just absolutely fantastic stuff to watch. I love it when cameras just sit. Toyota does this all the time. He did it in Porno Star, Crozier, all the movies that I've seen of his. He likes to put all the actors in his frame, and he blocks it so well that they can just kind of do their thing, right? So anyway, minimalism. But this Paul West quote is, uh, Minimalism is close to mediocrity and mindlessness, a way for the ungifted to have a literary career and for readers who really hate literature to pretend to be reading something serious. So I thought that was cool because I'm not precious. Uh, I'm definitely a minimalist. I'm also 100% mediocre, and I'm fine with that too. Um, but I'm wondering how you, how you think about that and how that maybe reconciles with, uh, you know, a a 68 minute movie like Monsters Club. Well, this, this, um, I think West would love this movie because minimalism done formally beautifully is not how he's, he's referring to uh, the type of diaristic, um, and also tripe of, uh, easily relatable, your, your, your bestseller types and your your diaristic um confessional uh you know uh where where the lack of formal structure speaks for itself uh you see and um so mm. something that's so formally gorgeous or st- for writing say the minimalism of consecution or the minimalism of a excellently tight pulp novel um, is not, I think, applicable to this statement. Uh, okay. I think some alt lit so might be. Yeah. <laughs> some yeah, some oh, alt lit right, right, right. might I be. But, that, uh, I think I think I think in the in the in the piece in the expat piece, you, I think you were specifically uh, you had alt lit in your sights. When yeah, you this little that. guy, that little guy with the oh, I don't, okay, maybe I, the little guy with the mustache is who I was thinking of when I. 
<laughs> little that, guy with the mustache. The oh, okay, <laughs> now I'm I'm not. The name is really it. not coming to me. Uh, fuck. Oh, the name's not coming to you. Well, then that means that he's not important. Yeah. So well, he, he's a little cunt, but the mm-hmm. uh, he's cute. You know, he, he's a. Uh, I hate cute. I hate these. I hate cute writers so much. I hate like these kind of SSRI blank stare, just sort of like you know, oh, I'm crashing my car and you know, I'm just you know, I'm so fucking yeah. blown out, you know. It's and like what, that's yeah. minimalism as a function of complete vapidity. Um, that's, and, and, and to be fair, the opposite, where it becomes academic, dry jargon nonsense, that's also shitty, you know. So, and and sure. I think in that. In that piece, I quote how that goes bad to uh, that stuff. Uh, it was a parody of what I want to do. You know, the, the amplification of language should not be uh, so esoterically uh, nonsensical. And here's where, you, where we get the language poetry and all this crap, but um, and academic shit. But um, yeah, so there's no workmanlike element to the to the you know, and cool as they were, all these Gen X guys, they they had they fucking worked and they they. They can be cool, you know. Mike's interviewed, and he's like, oh, "I don't know what I'm doing." I, he's so cool and humble, right? He, he's a genius. Mm-hmm. He's a genius, and he works on his work, and he's got 110 films. You know? Yeah. So that 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 speaks to uh, an, an increasingly millennial lack of uh, effort and the mistaken attempt to be cool for cool's sake and not genuine uh, natural coolness right minimalism is a form it's not a uh, it's not a level of effort you're not (laughs) there's no uh, there's no value there's no good art that comes from minimal effort right yeah that's why the greats you know and say someone like Taolin being pretty much the opposite of what I'm about in every way but he's uh, I think undeniably brilliant at what he does you know and i agree yeah no i got i've got a lot of time for Talin. yeah i mean all the, like the original alt lit guys had something going on you know and but uh i'm you know it's like the beats where the original three or four guys were you know and then the rest became a a, a sullen parody of <laughs> who are the original alt lit guys Talin, sam pink yeah i'd say uh, cicero pink uh Cicer- pink took Cicero's it in a big I love Cicero. I gotta get Cicero on the show too. Sorry to interrupt, guys. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. There's a few. That, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Cic- Cicero. Who, who else were we? Uh, Lynn and. You remember Jeremy Dean? That guy. I really mean, was. Dean is the great. Uh, you know, Dean is should be spoken of in in hushed tones because of the yeah. important work he did fighting this culture before it became this culture. You, you know, I, think I said he's like a sex guru now. I think he does like sex guru stuff. Uh, very cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. I like that. But, but the, remember, you know, you know, I was big on when I was in my twenties, big on not commenting on, not participating in cultural commentary and stuff like this. And and meanwhile, PC culture just slips right. You know, and I said public things against PC, but I thought of it as a minor thing. I didn't think it was going to become the death of art as it did. But. Um, here was Pink and uh, Dean on the front lines of HTML Giant yeah. fighting that shit, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, Dean is a goat for sure. Do you do you know these people, Kelby? I don't know if this is before yeah, your time. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, I was following <laughs> HTML okay. Giant and shit. I was, uh, I was a pure soul following HTML Giant the same way I was following like 4chan and shit. Like I wasn't involved in any of it. I was just like, damn, these nerds going crazy. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, any any final thoughts on Monsters Club before we 
wrap this bitch up. Talking about the actor, uh, Ait, his his first name is a lot of vowels, or his last name. However, the Japanese, you know, they, that shit gets confusing. But uh, Aita Nagayama, the uh, our main, our protagonist of Ryuchi, uh, Toyota was asked uh, what what about him made him uh choose like cast him in that role and uh he explained that he was in toyota's debut film uh blue spring and that actor became known to the world through like tv series and commercials and he's known as this like bright innocent straightforward guy but uh toyota had the impression that he wasn't that that he was more naive and psychologically dark and he wanted to bring out those parts of him and matter of factly responding to this uh interviewer he says yeah and then during shooting the movie uh his his dad killed himself so you might not see him play in any more roles for a while wow. <laughs> just like the just the the like suicidal shit does not leave this move and it it i agree 100 percent that it's a it's an art film it's a, a it's a beautiful film it's a poetic film it's not even like mean-spirited but just the the vibes surrounding it are so dark oh yeah yeah i was just was that the the actor from uh the real effeminate guy from taboo the uh the uh Oshima, and he's the, the the pretty boy in in Blue Spring. Is this the same guy? I'm, I'm thinking, or or was he the other guy in Blue Spring? The uh, I'm, uh, I'm drawing a yeah, I'm, the, the the like he was like very effeminate in Taboo. He leads all the samurais into uh, into gayness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I want to say, I mean, he he has such a different look, and that like without his hair at all styled and shit, like I. But yeah. I, I want to say that's the same guy. That's who came to my mind whenever I noticed he was in this, like, his filmography. When I looked that up, that's who I, I'm pretty sure that's who it is. Yeah, it feels like it because because uh, he's so young and, uh, yeah, in, in, that innocent, very much the opposite of Kaczynski look to him. Yeah, that you, it sort of emphasizes the the waste of the, um, the death around, uh, his death mode, right? And so... There's uh, there's that element of it. Yes. 